Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Recorded live. Hello and welcome. This is Brooke Volk, your host and assistant writer to Ken Vernon which is the inspired author of the book and ebook Revelation of Revelation, A Total Fraud. Ken, an inspired author and personal friend for many, many years. What you're about to hear on this episode of Revelation of Revelation has never been revealed before now in this audio format. I'd like for you now to listen in as we introduce the program's topic on this one-of-a-kind program, where it is scripture that speaks the truth through the in-depth scripture studies of Ken Vernon. Good evening, Ken. Good evening, Brooke. Good evening, everyone. We thank you for coming tonight. We'll take a little time out to remind everyone who has joined us that this program deals with... We started with the truth about the book of Revelation, showing from scriptures that it is a false document. Now, there are many millions who do not buy that statement on a surface, and also many millions who do not want the book of Revelation to be a fraudulent document, but it is. Tonight, We will continue on that trend of showing other books or letters in the Bible and precepts and concepts from them that are also false, especially from the little books that are in the New Testament that are called epistles. Before I go on to that book tonight, what I will do is back up into last week's program a little bit to give you a connection so that you know where we left off. I initially said there is no Antichrist. In order to have an Antichrist, you must first have a Christ. I also proved in our previous program that the name Christ does not represent anyone in Scripture. Tonight I will continue along that line and eventually get to the other false epistle found in your New Testament. Okay, here we go. If we assume that the mention of the name Christ is valid because it is written in most English translations of the Bible, A very rude and shocking surprise awaits you if you do. The name of Israel's Messiah is not a Greek name, Christ. In the Old Testament, we find the name Messiah. The scriptures clearly tell us 
that the Messiah would be called a Nazarene. It stands to reason then when we find that the Apostle Shaul is called a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes in the book of Acts and not the ringleader of the sect of the Christians, there is no conflict of the scriptures. It clearly shows that the followers of the Messiah were called Nazarenes well after his departure, right into the period where the apostles took over proclaiming the good news. The name Christ, at this point, is obviously a fraudulent assertion that can be found elsewhere in the New Testament. To the countless millions who have accepted that fraudulent work, I say it is time to look once again at those scriptures and accept the plain truth found in your Bible. If there is no Christ, then there is no Antichrist. It's that simple. The people who bring us the suggestion that there is an Antichrist tell us a major lie. Lies that have become commonplace within the Christian community. And as I have pointed out previously, all of Christianity, Christianity mistakenly worship a Jesus Christ who does not exist and quite frankly, never did. This is shocking, outrageously shocking to come to the reality that such an error, error, I call it error, to be polite at this time, of astronomical magnitude can exist within the Christian community. But when you realize, when you learn that Christianity comes from Rome and not from the Bible, there is no conflict, there is no problem. The scriptures clearly teach us that those who worship the Creator must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So now we come to see the reason why so many have been deceived. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14 and verse 17, we are told the world cannot receive the spirit of truth. Small wonder then that the Messiah did not pray for the world at the time of his crucifixion. I also previously showed you the scriptures from John 17, 17, where he said, I pray not for the world. I pray for those who you have given me. Again, Christianity is totally, totally unaware of that fact, that he is not calling the world. He has no interest in calling the world. He has a plan that includes the world eventually, but for now, it is the first fruits that are being called. Christianity is a man-made religion. The Bible teaches us that men cannot worship the Creator in man-made buildings or temples. Christianity and all the world's religions teach us the exact opposite. Those are major lies if you do not read those scriptures. Acts 17 and Acts chapter 7 tells us that the Creator is not found 
in any man-made temple, and he is not worshipped with man's hands. Again, false doctrines that uh, go through Christianity from one end to the other. Come to church, go to church, do all those things because the Creator wants you to keep the Sabbath day holy. That is false, people. False, not only misleading, but it will get you nothing. It will earn you no place in the Creator's sight. Now to the place in the Bible where we find a mention of a person called the Antichrist. And now I'll bring you some passages from those letters, allegedly from the Apostle John. Nothing could be further from the truth. John, who knew, like all the other apostles did, would never write such nonsense and bring it before us. In any event, let me now bring you from John some of the junk that's written there. And as we have pointed out, the many going back some almost some definitely some three years now, we have shown, we have demonstrated from scriptures that the book of Revelation is also a fraudulent document. Now I'll share with you some things that are written in what they call the first epistle of John. Again, I repeat, John wrote none of this nonsense. Listen while I bring you some of it. I'll be skipping verses here and there just to select the, the verses that I would like you to hear. It begins in this manner. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and all hands have handled of the word of life. Now, did you catch that? That was verse 1. This epistle, this letter, is not addressed to any congregation. Absolutely None. It just starts out in this fashion. Also, if you get into these trash books that are in your Bible, you will discover that they there's a common denominator to them. Most of them, with the exception of two, are not addressed to any congregation. All three letters here of John are actually addressed to people that we know nothing about. They're not members of any, of any congregation. They're not mentioned anywhere else in the entire Bible. So that should give us a nice heads up if you're looking for the truth. If the truth means nothing to you, then you can dismiss this and go. No problem. It simply means you're not being called. Not to worry. Let me continue. I'll read you another line that is absolutely 
I'll tell you. Let me read it. It says, If we say we have no sin, this is chapter 1 and verse 8, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That is true. If you know the scriptures, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The scriptures tell us that. And no one in this life cannot live this life in this world without sinning. Let me continue. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Sounds good, doesn't it? But here we go. Chapter 2. My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Messiah, the righteous. And he, in verse 2, is a propitiation for all sins, and not for us only, but also for the sins of the entire world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that says, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. I hope you can see how this goes from one precept to another that's making no connection whatsoever. Here in verse 5 he says, But whoso keepeth his word in him, Verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He, he that saith he abideth in him ought, in, ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Make sense to you? He's saying, he's trying to say the same thing in five verses here, in verse also in verse 6. Now he goes on, he says, he, he gets into loving and hating his brother. In verse 13 of chapter 2, he picks it up now. He's writing to the fathers. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. No, they don't. No one knows the Creator from the beginning. We believe that He existed from the beginning. We don't know Him. No human being knows that. We believe that and we wait for the day when our faith shall be saved. He continues, I write unto you, young men. Notice, first he's writing to the fathers. Now he's writing to the young men. Because you have overcome the wicked one. The wicked one, I suppose, here is Satan. No, you don't. No mortal 
is capable of overcoming Satan. Satan is a powerful spirit being, and he can get you to do pretty much anything he wants you to do unless you are tied to the Messiah very solidly. He says, I have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children. Notice now we went from the fathers, then we went to the young men. Now, the little children, little children, because you have known the Father. Now they haven't. That again is nonsense. Scriptures clearly teaches us that no little one can know. The scripture teaches us that in order to receive knowledge from the Creator, we must be weaned from the breast and drawn from the milk. We must be adults in order to learn from our scriptures, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. Now, notice he's not writing to the wives. The wives, he, he have thrown the wives under the bus at this point. He's not interested in the words. He picks it up in verse 14 again. He says, I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him, that is from the beginning. He repeats himself here again. More nonsense. He goes on. I have written unto you young men because you are strong. Strength has nothing to do with the knowledge of the truth from the scriptures, folks. If you believe that, you believe a tremendous lie. He goes on, he says, and you have overcome the wicked one. <coughs> Excuse me? No, you have not. No one who lives their lives in this world overcomes Satan. You overcome Satan when you die or when the, whole, when the kingdom comes. Until then, you have a major struggle on your hands. The Apostle Shaul, who received the greatest revelations right from the throne room of the universe. He struggled with his demons. He struggled. He said, the good that I would, I do not. The evil that I should not, that do I. And he acknowledges, he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? And of course, he refers to the Creator eventually, who shall Deliver him from this bondage of death. So whoever the person is who wrote this nonsense in this epistle never even read what the Apostle Shaul wrote at no time and on no occasion. Let me continue a little bit further here so that you understand. Now he says, Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Hello? Do you get the connection? I don't. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, Father but is of the world. Yes, the folks in the congregation know that. Why is he 
spending this time now, he is now after telling us that the Father, the sons, and the little children have overcome Satan, here he's telling us that they should stay out of the world because the world is going to pass away. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Now he comes back to the little children. It is the last time, and you have heard that Antichrist shall come. This is this is where he really gets confused. The Antichrist shall come. Notice, one person called the Antichrist will come. He goes on. Even now are there many Antichrists. whereby we know that it is the last time. The last time for what? Now, here he says, first, the Antichrist will come. So should you look for the Antichrist or just dismiss the Antichrist because he says, even now, are there many antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Last time for what? Another translation says it's the last hour. Last hour for what? Let me continue. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Does that make sense to you? Really. They went out from us because they were not from us. He says, but you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Sorry, folks. Little children do not receive the Holy Spirit. You must of knowledge from your Creator, you must be able to continue following His examples in order for Him to give you the Spirit of Truth. Through all of this, I want you to notice that the wives under the bus again. They get they get no consideration here. He makes no mention of them. Funny, they were little children. There are fathers, and it seems that there are some very strong young men. No girls. All the girls are forgotten here. They have no... (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) They have... Excuse me once again. They have no inheritance whatsoever. The girls are nowhere. Again, I will share with you some more nonsense from this supposed letter that tells us there is an antichrist when in the first place there is no Christ at all. So how can one have an antichrist without a Christ? I don't know. Here in chapter 4 here is what he is telling this (coughs) excuse me he's telling someone or some people 
to whom he's writing these letters that have no connection to any congregation anywhere. He says, Beloved, <clears throat> believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Verse 2. <laughs> Hereby know we the Spirit of God. Here's the answer. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of an antichrist, whereof we have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Here again, we have someone who is in total ignorance of the scriptures. No human being can tangle with spirit beings. Don't ever try. Don't ever think you can. These are evil spirits. You cannot <clears throat> determine the true spirits, as he mentions there. That is nonsense. The scriptures in John, from the Gospel of John, clearly tells us that the spirit of truth will be given to us if we follow his instructions. It has nothing to do with any false prophets. The truth comes to the believer because the believer is sanctified by the truth. Without the truth, there is no sanctification. Once again, the Gospel of John, chapter 17, bears witness to that. You can read it at any time you choose in any Bible you will discover that the truth, those who learn the truth, must be of age. You must be full-grown adults. You can't be a little children. Most importantly, from this Antichrist message, what I would like to convey to you is that if you'll notice, this is written by someone who is male completely male-inspired. He throws all the women under the bus, the wives and the little girl children. Only the boys go on to perfection. Over to you, Brooke. Thank you, Ken. It is a billion-dollar industry, horror movies. And <laughs> what is the theme on many of them? Antichrist. So... They don't know the truth, but yet they will expound on the hearsays of what most profess, and therefore it's a very popular theme, horror movies. And down through the ages, one sect would call the other the Antichrist. The Catholics against the Protestants, the Protestants against the Catholics, and the Reformers against the rest. If they did not believe in what they believed, they were the Antichrist. Well, this has been an enlightening program, and Ken Vernon has shed a bright light on what Scripture indicates the message about Antichrist. 
We talk about our website, revelationofrevelation.com. We invite you to go there and browse the site, get sample readings, and if you choose, you can see a booklet also available. You may have it in print or download. Revelationofrevelation.com. Any questions or answers at any time from Mr. Vernon, simply go to the contact information and send Ken an email, and he will have an answer to you in quick fashion. So you have been listening to a unique program, Revelation of Revelation, a total fraud. With Ken Vernon, and this is Brooke Folk, your assistant writer, bidding you a good night, and to our next program, keep tuned. Good night. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.